it Everest or Everest? Were Norgay and Hillary really the first two to summit? Do you call it Sagarmatha, Chomalongma, or Everest? I am your host, Pauline Reynolds-Nuttle of the All About Everest podcast since 2021. Join me weekly for all things Mount Everest, including updates, features, interviews, trivia, and so much more. It doesn't matter if you are an adventurer or an armchair mountaineer. There's something here for everyone as long as you love the mountain. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast. Today's episode is all of the books about the 1996 Everest disaster. And before I get into the rest of the episode, there's just a couple of things that I wanted to discuss very briefly. The first one is I had mentioned last week that Jason Black who is an amazing mountaineer. He runs expeditions on Mount Everest, also in Ireland, Africa, and we also interviewed him for the podcast. He was rowing across the Atlantic to raise awareness for dementia. And I've mentioned it before, dementia awareness is very important to me because my mom suffers from dementia, and I use this podcast to connect with her. Well, there was a really wicked storm about two days ago, and it busted their rudder. So unfortunately, they had to be rescued, and they were unable to continue their race across the Atlantic. The second thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is Everest-related, the spring Everest season is right around the corner, and so Alan Arnett has already started his coverage. He's kind of the go-to for almost anyone who is following the spring 2024 season. And he has already posted three different episodes or (laughs) three different blog posts, including his how much does it cost to summit Mount Everest this year? He already has three posts total. And because he does it so well, I'm not even really going to get into it. I always love his coverage And his breakdown of how much it costs, including who costs more, who costs less, which side costs more, what it entails, what it covers, he has it down to a science. And so I would absolutely recommend that you check that out because every year the costs kind of change a little bit. And this year... According to Alan, the Nepali side, kind of the costs remain the same, but there was a huge increase on the Tibetan side. And as far as we know, people will be allowed to climb Tibet this year, which no one has climbed from the Tibetan side except uh, any Chinese since before the pandemic in 2019. As an outdoorsy person, I am always looking to up my outdoor game. I have two favorite products that I've discovered in the last couple of years, and they are kind of my go-to. The first one is the Nomadic Outdoor Subscription Box. It starts at $29.99, and they have monthly and quarterly plans. I have discovered cool outdoor brands by getting this box and brands that I would never have purchased on my own, including introductions to gear that I didn't even know existed. It's a great way to get new affordable gear and discover 
new brands as well. Check out thenomadic.com. That's thenomadic with a K.com. My other favorite product is through mymedic.com. I used to have a hard time finding the perfect first aid kit for home, the great outdoors, the car, and my short-term rental. But with mymedic, I have found the perfect first aid kit for each of my needs and endeavors. My favorite go-to is the MyMedic Hiker Medic Kit that we use for camping, backpacking, hiking, and off-roading. You can also restock the stuff that you've used through MyMedic as well. Both links are affiliate links and I may earn a small commission from them if you click on the links that are included in the show description. I do plan on doing weekly coverage of the 2024 Spring Everest season. Last year, I kind of skipped it a little bit, but I will be doing weekly updates. Not going to get into too much detail. I'll leave that to Alan because that's just his jam. And I will just add it in to the regular episodes of whatever interview or whatever topic I have going on that day. Last year, I didn't do it. I regret not doing it. So I will be doing that moving forward every single year. Again, weekly, not daily or anything like that. And it'll just be on top of the regular episodes. Last but not least, I am doing a 52-week book challenge. And all of the books are about mountaineering. I'm on book four of this list. You can find it at mamabearoutdoors.com. It's pinned to the top or I included a link in the episode description. I'm a little bit behind in podcast episodes and it's because we've had crazy weather. Uh, We've had such cold temperatures and the storms and everything else. I haven't had internet at home. Uh, I've been without power a couple of times. Good thing I know how to chop wood and uh, carry water from the creek and melt snow. And so I'm a little bit behind. In fact, it was negative 40 Fahrenheit which is colder than Mount Everest and even Antarctica. And it was for like a couple days in a row that it was so cold like that. So this week's book that I picked, um, it is Denali's Howl. And it is about a disaster on Denali, previously known as Mount McKinley. One of the worst disasters on that mountain, if not the worst. And I just started it today. And so you're welcome again to join with me on my 52-week challenge. Alrighty. So for today's episode, I picked the best books about the 1996 Everest disaster. And I'm considering the whole year of 1996 as part of that disaster because it wasn't just May 10th and 11th of that year. It was the whole year, the spring and the fall seasons that made it the deadliest year. It was that spring climbing season that made it the deadliest season at the time and May 10th and 11th that made it the deadliest day up until 2023. But the 1996 Everest disaster continues to intrigue people. 
And I think a huge part of it is because of all of the different perspectives and how people want to know what happened. How did this happen? I do not believe that there anyone, there's anyone in particular to blame. I think it was a waterfall effect and it was all these little things that just created this horrible disaster for the whole spring season because often people forget about Bruce Herod dying and the whole fiasco that went on with the South African team, which it's important to tell that story as well because Bruce Herod's story is often forgotten and he needs to be remembered. I will often see people mention his name. Hey, wait a second. Don't forget about Bruce Herod. So I am including the books about him in this episode today. But perspectives, right? We all have different perspectives. You'll put 20 people in the same room and everyone will see it a little bit differently. And I think that Sandy Hill Pittman and Anatoly Bukreve, they became the villains in this horrible, terrible story that just intrigued people. And having villains on top of it just lured you in. Has it been sensationalized? I think so. But as Guy Cotter mentioned in his interview and Skip Horner in his interview, it was the lessons learned from the 1996 spring season that have helped prevent deaths. And there were lessons learned. And so because of the different perspectives, but also because it seems that the episodes that I do about the 1996 Everest season, people are intrigued and there's always a new way to look at it. And so that's why I chose that as today's topic. So in 1996, 15 people died during the whole year on Mount Everest. Three of those during the winter climbing season and eight of them between the night of May 10th and May 11th. There have been so many accusations that have gone back and forth about who did what and how and... I think that you just need to be open-minded about the whole thing and about how things could have been done better. Did human error cause a lot of these fatalities? That was absolutely part of it, but I don't think you can blame one particular event or one particular person for any of those deaths. And there were deaths on both sides of the mountain, especially because of the storm on May 10th and May 11th. So keep that in mind as you read these books, as you read these personal accounts of what happened in 1996. And as I had mentioned, I think that Bruce Herod really needs to be included on those lists because what happened to him, I do believe, could have been absolutely prevented. The first book on the list, and I'm pretty sure you've heard this book, read this book, 
It's the most popular and well-known book about Mount Everest. It's Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. John Krakauer was part of the Adventure Consultants team, and he was a writer for Outside Online. And he was a client, which having clients on Mount Everest was fairly new. Even though Mountain Madness and Adventure Consultants had done it before, this was at the very beginning of the era of taking climates, clients up these high mountains. Initially, it was kind of a way for mountaineers to offset their costs. Okay, well, it's really expensive. What can I do? Oh, hey, I'll bring on a client. And so John Krakauer did not pay for his expedition. It was basically free advertising for clients to be able to climb Mount Everest and free advertising for adventure consultants. And out of his, his team had the most fatalities. It was really unfortunate because there were a lot of little things that led up to the deaths on May 10th and May 11th. And things like perspective really played into John's book because it's from his perspective. I want to say that initially, I can't remember if it was in his very first article which led to the book or if it was in his book and then it was later amended at the end. But he had indicated that he had seen one of the climbing guides and had talked to him and apparently it was someone else completely different. And when you're at that high of altitude, your mind starts playing tricks on you. You're body is basically shutting down the minute you're at 8,000 meters. It's written really well. And I, you take it with a grain of salt because there may be some things in there that aren't necessarily factual and it's personal interpretation, but he does cover everything that happened on May 10th and 11th. It's a really good read. There's a reason why it was a New York Times bestseller for so long. Because Krakauer was so critical of many of the other climbers and also the decisions made, read it with an open mind. If you have already read it, I would recommend reading it again and kind of taking a back seat to being more objective. A lot of people were very hurt and upset by how they were portrayed by John Krakauer. But again, it's all personal interpretation. The second book that I have chosen was The Climb, Tragic Ambitions on Everest by Anatoly Bukreve and Weston DeWalt. Anatoly was criticized multiple times because he was a mountain guide. It was his job to help get people down the mountain and keep them safe. And there's a lot of contradicting information of what really happened. 
did he really refuse to use oxygen the whole time that he was up there? Did he choose not to help others? Again, it really comes down to perspective. And this is his story. I think that he did the best that he could. I think that people blamed him and targeted him because they were looking for someone to blame and the two main decision makers were gone. So they kind of latched on to Anatoly Bukhreev. It's a really good read. It's not written the best, but I enjoyed seeing a completely different perspective than John Krakauer's. And Anatoly Bukhreev had the right to defend himself. A book that hasn't been written yet, and I don't think it ever will be. I would love to read a book by Sandy Hill Pittman. I think it would be interesting. And she's a writer, so she would probably be writing it in that defense mode, unfortunately, because she and Anatoly were kind of the villains. I mean, everyone portrayed them as the villains. When I put this list together, it's in no particular order. It's just however I type them up. Book number three is, it's not one of the most well-known books, but it's probably going to be the most objective book when it comes to insight and personal perspective. A Day to Die For, 1996, Everest's Worst Disaster, One Survivor's Personal Journey to Uncover the Truth by Graham Ratcliffe. He was the first British mountaineer to summit Mount Everest twice, and he was on Mount Everest when it happened. We often forget that there were other expeditions and other people climbing up there. And he weathered the storm on the South Coal. He doesn't point fingers or say anyone in particular is to blame, but he really is very thorough regarding some of the factors that contributed to the disaster, including the weather reports, the issues with the ropes, um, and really how they should have turned around, but they didn't. He answers a lot of questions that I had. I still came away with a lot more questions, but after reading his book, I understood a little bit more of why things happened and how it wasn't one particular person or one particular event that caused so many people to die. Really good book, not as well known as some of the others, but I I want to say the most objective one. The next book that is on my list, and I'm sure most people are aware of Beck Weathers' story, he was part of the Adventure Consultants team, and... He got stuck in the snowstorm. 
he was pretty much left for dead. Uh, they weren't his team and whoever was with him felt that they were unable to help him and that he was one breath away from dying. And so he was left with his teammate, Yasuko Nambe, and everyone thought he was gone and he showed up at camp. He had miraculously survived the night and was in extreme rough shape, was forgotten. I believe it was camp four. They thought that maybe he died in the night and he almost got forgotten again. And his story is truly miraculous. He lost his right hand, the fingers on his left, and he had to have some pretty serious reconstructive surgery on his face. There's pictures all over the internet. If you Google Beckweathers of the severity of his frostbite, which frostbite is a true danger on Mount Everest. And in 2023, there were way more cases that had been seen than ever before. His book is written extremely well. And it's his personal story of how he weathered what happened. And he does not throw blame on anyone. He's not really critical of his team or any of the decision makers. And he pretty much says, you know, this is this is part of mountaineering. I, I knew that these things could happen. And... So it's a really good book if you haven't already read it. It's probably the second most popular book when it comes to the 1996 Everest disaster right after the popularity of Into Thin Air. The next book was written by Lou Kosicki, and he was part of Rob Hall's Adventure Consultants team. His perspective was a little bit different. He wrote, After the Wind, Tragedy of Everest, One Survivor's Story. And he survived that storm by himself in a tattered tent. He was stuck up there for three days without food, water, and the cold. And just the thought of his wife is kind of what kept him going. It's not just another book about the 1996 Everest disaster. It's very personal and you really understand how much Lou loves his wife and how it helped him stay alive. Kind of similar to Beckweather's story, but this one is, in my opinion, more profound and really raw, emotional and personal. In interviews since the 1996 disaster, Lou Kosicki has like even said he would never do Everest again. And he even tells people don't do it. It is absolutely stupid to spend a hundred thousand dollars to for an opportunity to die up there because anything can go wrong. And he's right. He's absolutely right to an extent. But really what it comes down to is that people will continue to want to challenge themselves. And there's 
something about Mount Everest that continues to pull people, especially after all of the tragedies, because there's been some really horrific things that have happened up there. And many of them could not be prevented. You can't predict the weather. You can't stop the weather. You can't stop avalanches or earthquakes. And it's kind of the nature of the beast. We talk about it all the time of people who climb Mount Everest and any of the high altitude mountains. They know that death could happen, illness could happen, and also irreversible damage like losing a limb or appendages or anything like that. But Lucas Ishii's book is just really good. I recommend you to read it. It might be my favorite one when it comes to the 1996 Everest disaster, but uh, it's a great read. The next book, from my understanding, and if there are any other ones out there, let me know, is the only book written by a female regarding the 1996 Everest disaster recounting what happened. Uh, Lena Gamelgaard is a Danish mountaineer, and she wrote Climbing High, a woman's account of surviving the Everest tragedy. She doesn't just write about what happened on Mount Everest that year, but also went into kind of a deep dive of her whole training process. And then, of course, the events of the disaster, Everest disaster and her survival on the mountain. She was part of the Mountain Madness team, and the only one to die from the Mountain Madness team was the leader, Scott Fisher. I enjoyed her perspective on what happened because not only was she on the Mountain Madness team, but also I, I do think that men and women do see things differently. And there is a little bit of a divide between male and female mountaineers. And there's not as many women out there who climb they have to work a little bit harder. And so I, I really enjoyed the book that she wrote. It's really good. And if you haven't read it, definitely add it to your book list. Without Mike Truman, I think that a lot more lives would have been lost. His book, The Storm's Adventure and Tragedy on Mount Everest, only a portion of them of it is about the 1996 Everest disaster. But he really goes into detail about how 17 years earlier, he was in a devastating storm off the coast of Ireland and how everything that he learned from that experience really helped him coordinate rescue efforts during the 1996 Everest disaster. He was also on the mountain the same year as Michael Matthews, Spencer Matthews' brother, perished in 1999 on Mount Everest. And there's the documentary Finding Michael. And just a quick note, 
and I've mentioned this before, all of the episodes, all of the people that I mention, you know, they're all so intertwined. And it seems that a lot of the times that their stories intersect somehow, not just on Mount Everest, but just in general. It's a really good book. And I learned a lot about bravery and how someone can use their past experiences in a very positive way to help them in life. That was kind of my takeaway on it. It's a really good book. And I recommend reading it. There's a couple on this list. I know I've said this already multiple times. Oh, I recommend you reading this. I'm not just telling you read this book because there's a couple on this list that I have found questionable and I'll go into more detail in a minute because one of those books is coming up. It's almost last on the list. So this next book, it does cover the 1996 Everest tragedy, but it also goes into detail about the 1996 IMAX expedition from the eyes of a Sherpa, Touching My Father's Soul, A Sherpa's Journey to the Top of Everest by Jamling T. Norgay. It's absolutely different from all of the other books because it's from a Sherpa's perspective. And we know that for most people that aren't climbing solo, that aren't climbing with support, they wouldn't be able to reach the top without the assistance of high altitude porters and guides, including those from the Sherpa community, that Sherpas have the highest fatality rate on Mount Everest. I believe it's, I want to say two thirds of the deaths belong to Sherpas, which is really unfortunate. And this book It's so rich when it comes to the perspective of a native and, you know, him having to aspire to his dad. I mean, his dad was the first person to climb Mount Everest along with Sir Edmund Hillary. And that's got to be something that's kind of hard to live up to. Read this book because it's different from all of the other ones. Not necessarily just about the 1996 Everest disaster, but it does go into the 1996 spring season. Really good book. Absolutely read it. This next book isn't just about the 1996 Everest disaster, but I think it's an important one to read so that you understand Scott Fisher's mindset and who he was and maybe better understand the decisions that he made. You have to remember that no one from his team died except for him during the 1996 spring season. Mountain Madness, Scott Fisher, Mount Everest, and a Life Lived on High by Robert Birkby is the biography of Scott Fisher. And it was written by Robert Birkby, who is also a mountaineer as well. And it's a beautiful tribute to someone who just kind of lived life his own way and his death was very tragic. But again, it is a reality when it comes to Mount Everest. All right, I told you there were some books I wasn't necessarily going to say go ahead and read them. And these ones, if you read them, take them all with a grain of salt because the man who wrote them, 
he wasn't on Mount Everest during the 1996 season. I don't think he's ever even made an Everest attempt. Um, it would kind of be like me going out and writing a book about the 1996 Everest disaster without really doing any research. My opinion, and I'm sorry if it's offensive. So the Mountain Mania books are written by Nick Vanderleek. Um, there's four of them total. The first one is, uh, Neverest New Insights, Inside Scott Fisher's Mountain Madness Expedition. Uh, Neverest Two New Insights, Inside Rob Hall's Adventure Consultants Expedition. Neverest Three New Insights, Beetleman versus Groom. And number four, Neverest for the Sherpas. Again, I, I personally do not think that they are written well. Um, read them if you want to be informed. And read them if you want the opinion of someone who wasn't up there. Um, he, he basically wrote the books after he wrote a five-page article investigating what happened on Mount Everest during the 1996 Everest disaster. He's very quick to blame people, and I don't even know if he even interviewed anybody about what happened up there. It's it's very one-sided and biased, but if you're going to read these books, you know, and I always say this, be informed, form your own opinion, you should check out Nick Vanderleek's books. They, again, they're insightful and maybe not in the way that you would expect them to be. When I talk about the 1996 Everest disaster, Bruce Herod, what happened with him was absolutely unfortunate. Even though he was not part of the deaths that occurred during May 10th and 11th, what happened to him could have been prevented. I'm going to give you the book about what happened to him from perspective one and then the other book that was written by his team leader ian woodall and kathy o'dowd kind of as a response to the allegations and as a rebuttal to the other book so in case you weren't aware south africa puts together a mountaineering team in 1996. They did not summit with everyone else on May 10th and 11th. Uh, there were a couple teams who didn't, including the IMAX team. I believe also the Hungarian team and then, of course, the South African team. It was put together by Ian Woodall and Kathy O'Dowd, <coughs> who are both mountaineers. And I think I personally believe, after reading both of the books, that their team was put together under false pretenses. There was, I guess there's allegations that there was some very shady things that happened. And Bruce Herod was essentially abandoned on the mountain. We saw clients abound up. Uh, abandoned during the 19 or during this last season in 2023 there were at least three or four clients that were just left behind and 
truly your team leaders, your guides, they're responsible for you. And Bruce Herod was abandoned. Um, his death could have been prevented if his team had stuck with him and if he had gone with people. Again, it's just allegations, but the leaders of his team, I think that they really presented themselves way differently than actual fact because Ian Woodall had never led a team before, especially under these circumstances. And I, I do not believe he'd had any real high altitude experience besides Kilimanjaro, but I'd have to dig into that a little bit more. And that's included in both of these books. Uh, the first one is Everest 96 by Ken Vernon. And he really criticizes Ian Woodall. But I do believe the book is well-researched. And Ken Vernon was part of the South African expedition. It wasn't just someone who's writing it with a very biased opinion. He was there, and so he does present a lot of facts. And then the rebuttal to that by the expedition leaders, Everest, Free to Decide, the story of the first South Africans to reach the highest point on Earth by Kathy O'Dowd and Ian Woodall. I would read both of them together. Don't read just one and then the other because you truly wouldn't have all of the facts. Even though these are not books, I do believe they are worth mentioning. There's an interview and a documentary that I really feel that people should watch. The first one is an interview from six months ago that Sandy Hill Pittman did. She goes by Sandy Hill now. It's an interview that she did with Harvest Series. And it's about her 1996 expedition on Mount Everest. And then a really good, not even really a documentary, I guess, but a series of interviews that was released in April of 1997, I believe, Mountain Without Mercy. You can find both of these on YouTube. And again, I'll include links in my blog post. So just a quick recap of this episode. During the 1996 Everest disaster between May 10th and 11th, eight people died total. Those include from the Adventure Consultants team, Andy Harold Harris, Doug Hansen, Rob Hall, and Yasuko Namba. From the Mountain Madness team, it was Scott Fisher. And then on the Tibetan side of Mount Everest, three individuals from the Indian team, Subadar Sawang Smanla, Lance Nayak Dorje Morap, and Sawang Paljor, also known as Green Boots. The other fatalities in 1996, on May 9th, Chen Yu Nan from the Taiwanese expedition, he fell down the Lhotse face. I have heard that he was abandoned by that by his team, but it was only one individual that has stated that, and so I do not believe that that is correct. On May 19th, Reinhard Vlasic 
an Austrian climber on May 25th, Bruce Herod from the South African team. And on June 6th, Nguyen Tapche Sherpa, who was from the Mountain Madness team, who was working from them. He had developed HAPE on April 22nd while working above base camp. I believe he was at Camp 2. Um, they evacuated him to Kathmandu, and he died in June in the hospital there. And then the other fatalities in the fall season on the 25th of September, uh, Yves Bouchon Lapsing Jangbu Sherpa, who was also the climbing Sardar on the Mountain Madness expedition in the spring 1996 season, and Dawa Sherpa. They all died in an avalanche. So I've given you 12 different books. I kind of lumped Nick Vanderleek's books together as just one on my list, even though it's for individual books. Next week's episode, I'm going to talk about what to expect during this spring's climbing season and also what books and documentaries are coming out this year about Mount Everest. Until next time, climb your own climb. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the All About Everest podcast. Please support this podcast by following, rating, commenting, and sharing. I appreciate your feedback, and you can find me on social media at Mama Bear Outdoors or at All About Everest podcast. Thank you for following and listening since 2022.